Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Teaching kids about life and emotions is not always straightforward. Talking to them about topics that you don't understand yourself or that are scary or sad for you as an adult can be challenging. Hannah Davison is a co-author of the My Big Moments series of picture books. Through them, Hannah helps parents navigate some of the more tricky parts of parenting. Today, we're talking about how to tell if your child is not coping with the end of lockdown. Hi, Hannah. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Siobhan. How are you? Good, thank you. And of course, I'm based in Sydney, so it's not so long that we've been out of lockdown. And lockdown itself, we all thought, was incredibly challenging. But actually, venturing out into the world can be just as unsettling, can't it? Yes, it can, because it's just not as simple as going back to normal and picking up where you left off. You've had this whole experience in between, and now you're suddenly hit by this wall of stimulus from the outside world and expected just to just to carry on like normal, but it's not really like that. Um, so you might notice how you feel in your body after a trip out where you've been surrounded by more people and noise and activity that you have been for a long time, but in fact, that has felt quite difficult. So we can expect that, you know, for our kids, they're going to be having a similar experience because uh, our nervous systems are going to be receiving the sensory input as stress. Um, it's, it's also really important to realise that the stimulus is coming into our nervous system and we've been coping with a sustained stress throughout lockdown the whole time as well because for a lot of people, it's been relentless groundhog day of kids and housework and work and the uncertainty of what's happening in the outside world and when will it all end and when will things go back to normal and what is normal and we're dealing with all of that and then we've actually been carrying this big load and then you go back into the outside world and then we have all of the sensory input to take on board as well. So it doesn't actually feel perhaps as exciting and great as it might always feel like and can also feel really exhausting for us. So how can we tell if our kids aren't coping? What sort of signs should we be looking for? Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be really hard for a lot of kids to be able to draw a line between uh, what they're feeling and the experience that they're having and have that all make sense. So it's often with kids, it's a non-verbal cues that give us they give us that that is their way of communicating that they're feeling a bit stressed and not coping. So we might be aware of what we're feeling in our body and able to articulate what's happening. But for kids, it might show ourselves, might show um, itself in different ways and they don't have the context or vocabulary to put around that. So some of those verbal cues could look like being exhausted, worried, forgetful, sulky, emotional, uncooperative, withdrawn, wired, melting down or using stalling tactics. And there's probably a whole range of other uh, non-verbal cues that parents will be thinking about when they're listening to this that they think my kid is doing xyz and that is a way that that child is trying to communicate look I'm I'm just struggling here a little bit to um to cope with what's happening to me now because they've had a very very um consistent and predictable time over lockdown uh, the world has become much smaller and now we're asking them to readapt and to adjust to this outside world and reintegrate. Uh, so we need to be able to make sure that they actually have a chance to retreat from all that noise that's happening out there and decompress a bit and just take some time through that as they readjust just like we need to as well. Um, could one of the signs be a child consistently saying they feel unwell? Yes, definitely. 
yes. <laughs> my daughter does this. Yeah, yeah. I yes. feel sick. Yes. My God, yeah. what's wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my yeah. goodness, it's COVID. No, it's not. It's just all the things. Yeah. Um. So many children I know had disrupted sleep during lockdown um, for lots of different reasons. Probably they still have problems now. How can we help our children sleep better? Mm. Now, I, I won't profess to be a sleep expert, but I do have two um, two tips here that uh, anecdotally from our own team, one for younger kids and, and one for kids that are a little bit older. So we've had a, a success with, with a couple of these techniques. So for younger kids, my business partner she's got three children now um five and under and so it's pretty busy um yes. and yeah she she has she has announced that she cannot co-sleep it's not something that she and her husband can do it just doesn't work for them that way no one's getting any sleep it is just not working but what she has found is that she can co-room so what she does is she's just got this little um mattress that she got from ikea she pulls it up from under her bed um, in the evening with blankets and pillows and her kids know that if they're having a hard time at night sleeping, they can creep into their room and tuck themselves in on that mattress right next to her, right next to their bed and, mm. and they feel that she's close and she's present and she's near them and they're getting what they need but everybody's getting sleep. So that is a, <laughs> that, that is a tip that is, that is working in this team. And in our house, my kids have instigated a, a bedtime lie down. I was thinking, my God, you are just getting in the way of me watching Netflix. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about it. But I was like, well, let's see what, what, you know, what the stalling tactic's all about. But what happened was, you know, if I, I lay down with each child for, I don't know, three to five minutes um, at night. It doesn't happen every night, but sometimes they want it. And mm. in that time, they just offloaded all the things that were on their mind, their worries and their thoughts and things that were coming up. And what I realized that was happening was that they were getting all of that offloaded and off their mind before they were able to sleep. And that has made a big difference to them because, you know, we've got uh, house moves coming up and new schools coming up and lots of changes coming up. And so, you know, they've got all this stuff happening for them and kids coming out of lockdown are going back into school and back into different social scenarios and back into different activities and environments and people and all of that. And they've got, they're taking all that in. And I think before they sleep, sometimes they actually need us to help them unwind and co-regulate with them and allow them to just get that off their minds so that they can have some sleep. Mm. You mentioned earlier that given everything is sort of, you know, the contrast between lockdown and post-lockdown is the sensory input and overload and that, it, you know, allowing kids time to sort of reset and have some peace and quiet, I guess, in between all the busyness mm. is one thing we can do to help our children ease back into, um, in inverted commas, normal life. Mm -hmm. um, what else can we do to make it easier for our kids post-lockdown? Yeah, so, I mean, respond to the cues that your child is giving you. If they seem overwhelmed by re-entering the world, give them opportunities to relax and retreat. So that might mean, you know, saying no to play dates after school or deciding not to do some after-school activities or just taking it easy in the weekends, just giving them that space where they can do that. Also, like, I like to do, if my kids are having a tough time, I like to do bath before bed because water is incredibly calming to the nervous system. It also means that you can get into bed on time, which means they're <laughs> going to get better sleep and People that have had good sleep can operate better. So yeah, it's about keeping things simple and going to school, just getting back into school might just be enough for now. So just accept that things are going to take a little bit more time 
to get back to whatever the new normal is going to be for everybody as everyone readjusts. Um, yeah, give them that chance to refresh and unwind and have a really clear and predictable routine so they know what to expect. So if that means that you you draw out your routine um, for the evenings and the mornings or you have a calendar and we know what's happening the next day and we talk about what's happening the next day so that they've got that sense of predictability and they know what's coming up for them, they can feel prepared, then that's really going to help them as well. And just, yeah, set your expectations that it's going to take some time to find your new normal. Don't put pressure on yourselves to get back out there straight away and back into everything. And just, you know, it's okay to say no to doing things if you don't have the energy. Mm, Maybe just ease off on the extracurricular activities for a while, right? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear. Hannah, thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Hannah Davison, co-author of the My Big Moments series, and you'll find more about her books in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.